0: Phil is a failed skydiver and a bear, sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. out
1: gets alcohol, BHP Town Hall.
0: Ben created Eye on Off,
2: he's
1: a comic book fanatic. Phil made pyro CMS. It's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben, not at all. It's PHP Town Hall. Random
0: guests,
1: alcohol. PHP
2: Town Hall. All right, welcome to PHP Town Hall, episode 61 personal finance for developers. I'm here with uh, Ben Edmonds, Jason McCreary, and Anthony Fox, as well as myself, Matt Trask. Um, real fast, Anthony, introduce yourself, uh, a little bit about who you are, why you're here, and all that good stuff.
3: Yeah, my name's Anthony. I, um, I'm i a wayward Nashvilleian. so I, I lived in Nashville for a while, moved out to California with my family, um, a background in... in um, I write a lot of code into a lot of glowing rectangles, and as such, I also have to stay alive in this California market. So a lot of budgeting has to happen as well. And, and I think that's kind of why I'm here. So happy to be here. Cool. Awesome.
2: And we're definitely happy to have you. Jason, how about yourself?
1: Yeah, Jason McCreary. Uh, I go by Mac. Most of you know me as that. So the branding is working. That's good. Um, but yeah, really excited for, um, for this particular podcast to kind of be on this podcast because, you know, As I've kind of been sharing lately, uh, you know, personal finance, particularly investing, uh, investing in the stock market is uh, kind of a second passion of mine, a very close second passion. I've been doing it almost as long as I've been developing. So I'd be talking about this stuff.
2: Cool. Awesome. And definitely happy to have you here. Ben, say hi. Hi. And what do you know about investing in all that good stuff? Nothing at all. I'm really good at spending money, though.
0: (laughs) So am I. Whiskey (laughs) is expensive. And so Mm -hmm. is buying parts from Phil. Uh, oh, uh, or, so, yeah he's like bikes, right you buy a car yeah he is
2: so it's funny, like well, it's not really funny. it's actually kind of sad that we're um recording this because if you know anything about finances, uh one of the big giants passed away today, uh the guy who started Vanguard and the index fund and all that kind of stuff um so a little quick note, you know as uh we're all kind of diving into this path, his name will keep popping up and up and up, and so I just wanted to mentioned that briefly, you know rest in peace jack Well, we'll Louis moves on to whatever's out there um but so we're just going to dive into it um and i kind of want to start opening it up which is kind of like how everyone got started with financing and investing you know i mean we all have money we all get paychecks we all get paid to write code but how did you learn to be more financially literate what like was there a catalyst or was just kind of your upbringing or um natural curiosity something like that um start
3: with uh, Anthony, if you want to stop all this one first yeah. um, So I got started in I guess somewhat of an unfortunate way, I think the whole point of the, the, this episode is to um, speak to a lot of developers that um, are new to development and they're making more money than they have, or you know what they're used to making, and they want to make the most out of it. I got started not because I was flat broke, but because I was struggling from paycheck to paycheck. And I knew that there just was a better way out there, and so I spent, I think, a weekend and and learned the absolute basics of how to manage some of your money. Um, and from there, it sort of snowballed into where I am today, and how uh, budgeting keeps me afloat, um, and also helps me ma- uh, helps me maximize that money. So it's kind of the opposite side of, of the of the base we're talking to a lot today. Um, Just wanted to make the point that wherever you're coming from i think this episode will be very helpful and there's a lot to learn and a lot to apply in your life that will make your life generally easier and less stressful well that's the goal i hope that works out we'll see what happens
2: um jason you know you said you've been investing for as long as you've been coding um how like what what made you get into that how did you how did you figure out investing and all that at such an early age
1: yeah. You know, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably, um, longer than when, longer than I've been coding. Uh, so when I was like, I don't know, I had to be grade school because I remember living in, in the old, like our original neighborhood. So it was definitely grade school because we moved when I was in eighth grade. So it was, I was, let's say sixth grade and, uh, I mowed lawns on the street, you know, just typical kid thing, right? Like just go running around the neighborhoods. Hey, I'll mow your lawn, you know, 10 bucks and uh, or 20 bucks or whatever it ended up being after you know inflation of the 90s but the point is is that i basically over the summer you know mowed all these lawns that's what i did i had like four or five lawns by the time i was in sixth or seventh grade and my grandpa came over and he was watching us and he saw me take money from these lawns you know 60 bucks 80 bucks and basically put it in like this lunchbox that i had under my bed so like the classic like having your money under your mattress like literally that's what i was doing cuz i was a kid i didn't know anything and he came in there and he's like going to the bank. And he kind of like, that was like this pivotal moment for me, like a very early age to like, kind of start to understand like savings and investing and like setting money aside for yourself. And he he really like kind of instilled that in me. And like over the years, I kind of looked to him for like, just kind of mimic like what he did financially. And like, you know, he had options in the company that like he helped start. He um, you know, basically invested in the stock market. He did all these things that I'm sure we'll start talking about. But the point is, is like, he became kind of that idol for me, you know, as far as finance went. And at a very early age, like, he basically helped me open a bank account, co-signed it because I mean, again, I was in sixth grade, so I can't go open a bank account. So, like he did all that for me, but it, it really kind of set me on this path at a very early age to kind of understand money and like what that means.
3: Oh, that's really cool. That's interesting how he was able
2: to help you. I wish my grandfather done that for me. Um, ben, do you have an interesting story about how you kind of figured out everything where you are now?
0: Um, yeah, I don't know how interesting it is, but um, I started out pretty young. Um, like, a, My dad especially taught me how to budget pretty well. He was an entrepreneur um, pretty much, you know, uh, since I was a teenager, I guess. Um, so I always kind of had that in the family. And with that, you kind of learned to weather ups and downs in uh, income streams a little bit. So from early on, he taught me, you know, how to budget, how to save, things like that. Um, where I had the real learning curve was once I started making developer money, it kind of felt like, um, you know, it's always every year I'm going to make more money forever, which isn't exactly true. Um, but my lifestyle increased with that. So with a lot of the learning I've done, you know, more recently, would be in how to manage your lifestyle accordingly to your income. Um, and then that led into, okay, So now you have this extra money uh, that's not doing much for you in savings account. What do you do with it from there? That led into investing and trading and like that. Oh, very cool.
2: I didn't know that. Interesting. So here, here's a, a good question to get everyone started since developers tend to hit lifestyle inflation really fast. Does anyone kind of remember their first paycheck? and, what they did with it when you got your first official like developer paycheck when it was probably some of the most money you've ever made, you know, did anyone run out and immediately buy anything crazy
3: or was it all right into stocks and things like that? So I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of hashtag treat yourself. Um, and, and I think that that first paycheck could potentially be used for that. Um, especially if, if you're brand new to this and this is, uh, a, a personal achievement of such. I, I think that it is beneficial and, um, and, and maybe even mandatory to reward yourself a little bit for how far you've come, um, and, and just the achievements you've made so far. Uh, I can't remember going out and buying anything crazy, but I do remember like telling myself I am going to go and buy something crazy. Um, and, and I think that that's a, that's a pretty, uh, normal and uh, typical way to uh, fall into that first check, at least from from my, from my experience.
1: Yeah, I definitely can't remember the first um, check, because I'm old. <laughs> it was probably a while ago, plus the whole lawn mowing thing. So, I mean, who knows what counts as the first check. But it's one of those things where um, I definitely agree, like, I, I'm not going to use the word indulge, but I, I'll definitely go with the treat yourself, like I think you have to do that. I mean, it's just like anything else in software development. Like you can't sit here and code like 12 hours a day, you know, five days a week, you know, for weeks on end. Like you're going to burn out sooner or later. Same thing is, is for finance. Like you, you can't necessarily take your entire paycheck and put it in savings every time and like, you know, live on, you know, Wendy's. I mean, I like Wendy's, but you know, you can't necessarily do that. Like you have, you have to indulge, you know, you have to go have a good meal or you got to take a vacation or you got to buy yourself. You know, something to reward yourself. That's the whole point. So we're human. You need to reward. So, the point being is that I definitely agree. You know, you, sh- you should treat yourself. And I think if you achieve a a a bonus or a a pay increase or a, you know a first job, definitely take a, a, a you know a little bit of that money. You know, a you know and do something to yeah treat yourself. I totally agree. With that.
3: I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think there should be any negative stigma against that either. I think that. Uh, like you said, we are all human and, and it's totally fine. Like if you have a habit of, of collecting, uh, I don't know, the um, pop figure dolls or or whatever you like to collect and you feel like you're spending your money on um stuff that's not taking you anywhere. I think that that's still fine if you allot for that when you're taking into your finances. Um, um, but I also think that, with everything you do, you should understand the financial impact that can have. Um, but don't necessarily attach a negative stigma to buying things you don't need because we are human and we like things we don't need. So, I mean, following down that path, I mean, first off to
2: reward yourself, you know, like I got a raise uh, Friday after I thought my boss was going to fire me. turns out he gave me more money. And nice. so I celebrated with hot chicken because it's literally the only thing I know how to do. Um, <clears throat> but so like if, if you're mentoring a new developer and they came to you and like, hey, you know, I just got my first paycheck. How would you how would you set them up for success? Like how how would you kind of guide them uh to like a future where money is not going to be a stress on their shoulders.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I think this kind of goes back to my grandfather cuz when we went to the bank, we didn't we didn't put everything from that box into the savings account. He left me a little bit, you know, to basically, you know, treat myself right i mean i could go buy whatever toy or video game i wanted at the time you know i mean i was in sixth grade so like i'm a kid like i did hard work and I, I should do something with it so and i think i think it's probably more popular you now, not necessarily for my grandfather but for dave ramsey you know i think i think you have to um you know basically budget or you know i think he uses like Literal cash in envelopes. I, I i never really followed his exact practice, but I definitely believe in his like budgeting or bucketing of money that he does. And maybe someone else can speak exactly to his stuff, but of course, there's tons of material out there. But the point is, is like with your paycheck, there should be a significant portion of that that's set aside to different things, in my opinion. Like you should budget, um, basically like let's just say 30%. I mean, these percentages can vary, but let's say 30% of that paycheck is just straight into savings. And that's for like, your expenses. And maybe if your expenses are higher, you know, if you figure that out and I'm sure we're going to talk about like how to determine and track all that stuff in a little bit, but like maybe that needs to be higher. Maybe it needs to be 50% of your paycheck even. Okay. Depending on, you know, if you live in New York or San Francisco, I mean, I lived in New York before and I mean, it needed to be 50% of my paycheck for living. Like, so whatever expenses are, that should go straight to savings. And then it should like dwindle down from there. Then, you know, if you're young, maybe 20 or 30% can go towards, you know, investing and then maybe 10% left for like this treat yourself kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then maybe 10% is an emergency fund or whatever. But the point is your, your paycheck vary the percentages, but a significant portion of that should go to savings and like emergency stuff. And when that's built right, then you can readjust those percentages.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. I would take it a little step further because we live in a culture right now where everything has a subscription, uh, pricing model. um, you know, I pay two dollars a month for iCloud, two dollars a month for Google Drive, five dollars a month for Plex, and and so on. And and those expense expenses uh, add up to quite a bit. So, what can catch you off guard are are not the ones so much monthly, but the ones that happen annually, like Amazon Prime or or uh, a budgeting software we're talk about later called YNAB. Um, that's like a hundred bucks, forty five bucks that. If you're not planning for this, it comes out of nowhere. So, if you have this first paycheck, you can, th- you you can get a really good idea of what your net income is going to be each month, and then you can give every dollar a job, um, meaning a lot for these monthly expenses first, um, stuff like rent, stuff like that, and then after that, you can a lot like twenty dollars for, I don't know, fun money or 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 you know, just go from there. Yeah. yeah that's
0: Go ahead, um, I would just say as someone, you know, let's say you, you do get that first check. Um, it's going to feel like, you know, Hey, suddenly I'm someone that has more money than the have seen before I should start living like someone that has this amount of money. Right. And so like when the I made a lot early in my career was like, Oh, I got a raise, I'm going to go buy a nicer car or something like that. That, you know, maybe in the grand scheme of things, a $300 car payment isn't huge but that's a maybe a large chunk of the raise you got, or it might be more than the raise, right? Um, so watch things like that and always think through... Um, so like The way I try to think of it is um, your security or the way you feel rich is not necessarily the, the things you have or the things you can afford, but the savings you have and the extra you have every month. So try to think of it in that way. Don't be in a rush to get a lot.
2: Well, you know, I mean... The- a, a lot of really good things are brought up there um, in all that conversation. Dave Ramsey, I want to touch on. app definitely. Um, but, you know, like Ben mentioned, lifestyle inflation, which is a huge thing in our industry because you get that first paycheck and you see, like, your boss is rocking a new Apple Watch and he has the AirPods and uh, he's has a Tesla and all this stuff and, he, and you're, you're playing Ketchup. Um, how have, like, wh- what has kept you all from lifestyle inflation or, like, where where have you like really tried to hold yourself back when you got a paycheck or something like that? Um,
1: yeah, I th- that's actually what I was going to touch on because I, I think I think Ben had a good point about you know don't go out and, and kind of over treat yourself, <laughs> but like you know it, it, definitely everything's within reason and, and for me it, it's really about discipline and I, I think I'm probably I'm not the most disciplined person but I'm definitely more disciplined than some and for me it just kind of to put numbers on it and, and make a rule out of it like i would never go do like a big purchase on anything like a new house a car, whatever In, even even a tv like a large tv purchase or a new computer purchase honestly or a big trip i wouldn't do anything that i would consider you know a large more than one paychecks worth of money like or a commitment more than a paychecks of money like a house something like that until i had like six months of savings and what that means is like as far as an amount is basically all my expenses and then times six. So whatever my monthly expenses were, you know, everything like rent, car payments, insurance, medical insurance, uh, groceries. I mean, everything. Okay. And that's hard to track. And we'll talk about tools in a minute, but like track all that and times it by six. And when you have that in the bank, then you can pretty much do whatever you want in my opinion. But like until you do, you really shouldn't go out and be buying any like large committing, you know, financial obligation type purchases.
3: Yeah, if you put it into a a different perspective too, I mean, somebody that makes one hundred thirty thousand dollars a year, but, but has, um, you know, their cost of their their lifestyle costs them one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. They're netting um twenty thousand. So really, they're not really in a different boat than the people that make forty thousand a year, but have twenty thousand dollars of of lifestyle expenses.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Good way to put it.
3: Yeah, that's,
2: that's a great analogy. Um, and it it brings us kind of back to the point I was uh, going to make for a second, which was what tools are out there for people to kind of track expenses or manage their debt, things like that. I heard YNAB and I also heard um, Dave Ramsey mentioned, which I know Dave Ramsey is a person, not a piece of software, but he does have some software out there and some philosophies. And so I know each of you guys talked about one differently.
3: So I'm kind of curious. Um, your perspectives are on YNAB and Dave Ramsey? I can speak to YNAB. Um, and, and the reason I can speak to YNAB is because I, 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 I first was with Mint. Um, I don't know if this was before Intuit bought them, when Intuit bought them. I, I really didn't see much of a difference either, but instead uh, just of uh, some UI changes, I think, but uh, I didn't pay much attention to it because Mint did everything for you. You would put in some numbers that you think you want to stay within in terms of food and groceries, but it tracked all of your expenses for you and, and scraped your uh, bank accounts for the information. And then you check it a month later and you're like, Oh, I, I went over that budget by $600. I guess I'll, I try better. Um, <laughs> so I went to YNAB and that was, okay. that
0: so was real uh, quick for listeners. You're talking about the, you need a budget app.
3: Right? You're yeah. I'm talking about, about uh, you need a budget.com. Um, YNAB, they, they, they uh, phonetically pronounce it YNAB as a shorter way of saying you need a budget. So, you know, two syllables down from however many, uh, but still a very long name. Um, so I, I, I saw them and, and I thought, okay, but budgeting software, I have to pay for That seems pretty counterintuitive. Like well, I, this seems like money I could save here. I am spending over $600 a month on, um, you know, over my budget on, dining out but I'm worried about a one time a year $40 purchase but um so I went by and I looked them up they don't scrape your bank accounts every transaction you have to put in yourself <laughs> but I spent a weekend and read all of their blog posts watched all of their videos and uh it it totally changed the way I look at everything they ha- they have um four rules in terms of getting the first one is every dollar has to have a job so you're like Looking at all of your monthly expenses, rent, uh, software subscriptions, and groceries, and dining out. Um, Second one is your... um, The second rule is to embrace your your true expenses. So not necessarily like your rent, but uh, things like um, automobile mates, stuff that just comes up that you have to spend on every year uh, but or every month, but you don't really pay attention to it. It's like, a, it's like a secret sort of thing that happens. It just gets taken out of your bank account. Those are considered your true expenses. Um, the third rule is to roll with the punches. And the fourth rule is to aid your money, which is this concept they put on um, about like, if I'm paying $200, let's say for example, uh, to this bill, that $200 should be $200 I earned um, I think two months ago, or, or something like that. Then with their software, they can track the age of your money. But, um, but being forced to put in every transaction myself—that's what really changed the game for me and made me focus on this money. So that's that's YNAB in a uh, in a nutshell, I guess.
0: I would. Um, you know, budgeting is a very important tool for people, um, especially if you feel like your your spending's not in control. You know, if you have this sense of dread and you get to check your uh, checking account or if you uh, you know run your card and hope it goes through things like that. Um, I would like to stress though like there's no there's no one way to do a budget. You know for years I've tried different apps. I was on Mint for a while. Um, and then pretty much always I end up going back to either just a text file or an Excel spreadsheet. And that's worked better for me. Um, and even then I don't track every expense, not necessarily that I'm recommending this. for me I had buckets um, and tracking every expense often for me made me feel very like constrained and then I found myself kind of rebelling against that constraint, I guess and spending more than I should. So what I try to do is I try to track my savings. So if my savings are hitting the goals I want, it really doesn't matter to me where the rest falls. you know I can spend double on eating out and half on whatever transportation. But I'm hitting that savings goal. I don't really care where the rest of the expenses fall as long as they're all covered.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I mean, I'm. I think I would definitely agree with that. I actually don't really use anything to track anymore, to be honest. Um, that's not to say I haven't used something. I, I've. I actually still have a Mint account, and I'm sure it's updating, and doing whatever. And I, I guess the reason I like Mint is is probably to get started. That automation is is actually kind of nice because um, I can just go in and kind of make a few rules and a few a few budgets and it it really does the tracking for me but you know kind of to anthony's point like you have to be proactive and going and kind of taking a look at it you shouldn't just check in every three months like that's it's not going to help you that way like you have to be active with it but I, i think if you let it do its job and you link up your bank accounts like that's a really good start to at least give you kind of those numbers that i was talking about before of like at least you kind of get a picture of what's outgoing like i think a lot of times people don't understand what's outgoing like i'll just pick on my girlfriend because i'm sure she loves that um you know when we kind of looked at her expenses i kind of helped her um take a look at it but like you know i always kind of told her gosh you you got so much for this cycle class and so much for this you know yoga class and so much over here and totally great to like work out and be active but problem was you know she was very busy with her job and she was traveling more and and she wasn't really using those and so mint helped her kind of realize and see that in her own way you know i not me harping on her necessarily like it was better just i think as individuals we just kind of have to see it on our own and, and so i think mint did a good job on that and i don't really keep track with it personally anymore but it definitely helped me know in my head what i spend and now kind of more like bend it's like as long as i'm reaching a certain savings goal or as long as my savings account doesn't go below kind of that six month or now 12 month mark like i'm okay
0: cool yeah, yeah I'll I'll, i mean probably, um, sorry matt I'll, I'll get to you real quick i'll throw yeah. out another quick, like, life right, hack um, I do with that. So um, I, I got this idea, I believe, from the book Profit First, but I was already doing something fairly similar. Um, so the idea is that you have different accounts uh, for different expenses, and then you kind of move money around accordingly, really just to give you that middle picture of this is coming from this bucket, instead of it's all in one place, and then it kind of maybe exists in a spreadsheet somewhere that doesn't feel very real. Um, and for me, what I do a lot is I don't keep much money in my checking. My checking is really just what I expect to spend for the next week or for the bills I have. Um, so it's pretty much always super low, right? Like if I were to just go buy $200 worth of stuff at Walmart, right, it might decline because I don't keep it in there. And that helps me personally be able to like quickly look and see what I have. It's like just only disposable income that's planned for the next week. All right, go ahead, Matt. Sorry.
2: No, that, that's interesting. And I remember you... You talked to me about that um, when we met up in Atlanta a couple months ago, how you kind of keep it bare. And I know other people uh, like kind of load up their checking account and keep their savings bare so that way they can pay off bills and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, another thing that was mentioned that um, I was hoping we'd get to is the six to 12 months, as Jason mentioned, emergency fund and also kind of talk about another concept that I've I've kind of heard lately, which is um, do we, we we get the not-safe-for-work thing, so the, the fuck-you fund, basically. Um, and so it, it, I think it's good practice, especially for any developer who's in a startup situation, to have some money set aside. But there's also the concept of having money for emergencies slash um, things that pop up unexpectedly. You know, Jason, you mentioned uh, 12 months, which seems to be quite longer than the average that you hear. uh what was the reasoning behind 12
1: months? Well, I mean, let's be honest. It's its a game, right? Like I didn't set up this game and, you know, I, I don't like that it's money, you know, it's America, everything's about money. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a societal thing, I guess is what I'm saying. So like philosophically, it would be great in my mind. Like it would be interesting anyways. Uh, I'd be interested in like, something that was trade or resource-based like that that could be very cool but it's not the truth is money is kind of what makes the world go around right so like i think to the point though it's a game so when i reach level six right like six months savings i just bump it up i just keep playing right so i bump it up to 12 and if i get 12 then i bump it up to something else or it's like a pyramid right like you think of like the food you know pyramid the old school kind of thing right like you have you know your carbs at a certain level, and your proteins, and your fruits, and your veggies, and all that stuff. Same thing with finances. Like when I reach a base pyramid of six, you know, I go on to twelve, and then when I reach twelve, then I start investing in other things that, that generate funds. Whether whether that's um some kind of you know investment of some kind. But the point is, it's no longer a cash investment, a bank, for example, like a savings account or a CD. It starts becoming other investments that potentially generate more reward. But I have to build that base and that pyramid. And kind of move, you know, game a little farther, go to the next level. And, I, you know, I don't think you take your first paycheck and you go dump it in the stock market. You know, that, that doesn't really make any sense, right? Um, so I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there, but I'll, I'll stop for a second.
0: Yeah, so let's cover for a minute um, for people that maybe never, never had an emergency fund. What's, what's kind of the reason for it in general? Because um, I know a lot of people would be like, well, I mean, why? Like, why have six months expenses in the bank?
1: Yeah, I think I, I think it's exactly that. It's it's just emergency. So for me 6 months and, and I'm not the one that necessarily made that. I'm not sure if it's Dave Ramsey or whatever, but it's definitely like a common notion out there to to kind of you your goal should be having 6 months, you know, worth of savings for an emergency. So for kind of like a life emergency, you know, you get in a car accident or your, you know, short-term disability or uh, the, you know the house burns down or you know something along those lines, you know, life basically happens. And uh, you know, I, that's that's kind of the way i've always looked at an emergency fund but you know let's let's go around and see what other people kind of think it is
3: yeah i um i look at an emergency fund i don't i don't um i i don't think that there's anything wrong with having an emergency fund x amount of months out i don't think that that's necessarily the point i, I think that the point is to for an emergency fund have that peace of mind that if your house burns down if you get fired from your job that you can survive at the same comfort level, if you, if you want to, uh, on this, uh, I, I tend to, to have about three to six months of, of, um, monthly expenses, like, like actual monthly, uh, the actual money that like the amount that I've spent each month times three or times six or times 12. Um, so that for the time that I'm in this emergency, I don't have to worry about, um, funding. I, I have that stowed away. This is exactly the purpose that it was put there for.
0: Yeah, and I would just add the, um, like a real thing it gives you is there's this um, kind of perpetuating cycle where you get one expense that comes up and then you have to maybe borrow from your next check to pay for that, through the paycheck to paycheck. So let's say your car breaks down, and you need a thousand bucks, you might put that on a credit card, um, and then you end up paying on that credit card for six months. But if you, if you have that emergency fund, it's it's not all that stressful. You know it's not something you want to spend. You know they're happy to throw away a thousand dollars to fix a car, but it doesn't change your lifestyle at all. It doesn't add any debt or overhead.
3: yeah, I, and I also want to reiterate that um, it's it's totally fine if you don't have that right now because a lot of people don't. The important thing is to want to have it and start with a goal of like two weeks of emergency funds put away and then move that up to a month if you need to. And then once you're at a month, like, um, like was said earlier, move that up to two months and then to six months and then to 12 and keep growing. Um, I, I think that, that that's the reasonable way to approach this and not just assume that everybody should have this out the gate because realistically that's not realistic.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. I, I think that's a good point. And earlier when I was saying it was a game, I mean, that, that's exact, it's exactly that like start at the one week, you know, mark and then go to two and then go to three. I guess the point maybe really for me is, is I will be a little bit strict about six months and the fact that I, I think that is a legitimate, you know, life will, will ward off most of what life throws at you if you had six months worth of expenses saved up in your bank account. I think once you reach that goal, you can start making new financial goals was kind of my point. So definitely, you're not going to have that overnight. It takes, a, it takes time to achieve that. It definitely took me several years and, and a, even multiple promotions and jobs to kind of get to that comfort level. Um, but kind of also as Ben's point, you know, you got to make sure to check that comfort level, too, because as, as you move on from, you know, being a 20 something going to the bars, you know, and, and then writing code during the day to, to, to maybe being a family man with a house like that. At six months changes. So that, that's where things like mint and, and everything else kind of come in and help you determine, Ooh, I need to, again, I need to move this level up. I need to move this, this score count up.
2: Yeah. And I know like for me personally, you know, as, as someone who has anxiety over the fact that I'm definitely afraid that someone's gonna figure out, I have no idea what I'm doing during the day, You know, the, the emergency fund kind of gives me the, the confidence to keep going back to work in a way. And, kind of just being chill about everything. You know, like I know what I'm doing. I open and close pull request all the time. You know, like I just, my boss gives me, you know, taps on shoulders, says good job, all that stuff. But having six months of emergency fund set aside, basically just says, eh, you can, you know, you can't slack off, but you can also not fear that today is going to be a day that they're just going to fire you or anything like that. It kind of gives you the confidence to take risks, fail a little bit more often. You know, the, the agile startup mentality of taking risks, failing, you know, picking yourself back up and all that kind of stuff too. Um, on a, on a personal note with, you know, people who have anxiety and things like that, I've noticed that having a fun like that really just keeps <laughs> things in line.
0: Yeah, there's there, a certain level of just security it gives you. That's almost kind of hard to explain unless you've experienced it.
3: I, I think it gives you headspace. Um, you don't have to stress out over this thing, and because of that, you can think more clearly about everything else that is happening in your life that need to be addressed.
0: That's a great way of describing it. Yeah, and it gives you that certain like, not necessarily like risk taking, but you don't have to. Some little risk aversion, right? Because you don't have to be so worried about every little check, right?
1: Yeah, I mean just just sticking with kind of the game analogy for me. I mean, I, I know some people might not like the way that I put that, but again, I I mean, it's just kind of what it is in my mind. Like it's kind of like extra lives. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, it's great. You just kind of keep perpetuating this game. Once you kind of build up more fun. I mean, I'm not saying it should be this way. It just is this way, but I mean, life's, a little easier with, with money. That's the bottom line. So, you know, if you can, if you can try to scrap a little bit together and save some, I mean, it just, even if it is just personally, like mentally, uh, a security bit, like just, it just does, you know, it's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the peace of mind, like leaving work and knowing that if shit hit the fan tonight, I'm going to be good for six months is definitely something that helps me sleep. So does whiskey, but money does too. Um, but so, you know, okay. So let's, I have my emergency fund. I'm good to go. Where does my, where should my money be going next? You know, like I hear 401k at work. We have like an employer match and things like that. I also hear things like index funds being thrown out as a, a a vehicle to making money. Um,
3: you know, like, I would, I would actually like to ask a question as a precursor to this question. Um, because I see conflicting things online and, I never really know where I stand either in terms of this, but you, you've got your money now, right? You, you can budget it and you have the option of setting up, you know, starting this emergency fund, which means taking money out of what you're earning and putting it aside. Now let's say you also have some credit card debts and student loans, stuff like that. What takes precedence of there? Does the emergency fund take precedence, the savings, Or does paying down the the debt, or is it a a hybrid of
1: the two? Yeah, that's. I think that's a great question. I'm I'm going to field it unless somebody else wants to take it because I got I got strong opinions here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I (laughs) I have opinions (laughs) after yeah. I got something to say,
2: but Jason, I want to hear your opinion first.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, so so yeah, so just to kind of reiterate the the question, um, you know, what comes first: emergency fund, investing, paying off debt? Is that basically kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so let's, let's say that, um, you start to reach your emergency fund. Now, if you have a loan a student, let's, let's just call it a, a student loan, right? Um, could be a car loan, but the point is you've got some kind of debt, right? Um, I think your emergency fund comes first. Okay. Cause, cause part of your expenses are that loan amount are that, you know, loan payment that you do monthly, whether it's a car payment or a student doesn't matter. That's part of your expenses, right? So I think your emergency fund comes first because that handles six months of everything, your rent, your student loan payments, your groceries, that's all should be included. So given that emergency fund comes first. Second, once you have that emergency fund, you take your excess cash. Okay. that comes from your paycheck because you still keep putting it in savings, but now you should have a little bit more because you don't need to put as much in your emergency fund. You start buying off that debt. That's my opinion. Okay. So debt would come second in the question. And then third would be investments. That's where I am.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, pretty much right there. So I'd say a lot of that depends, though, on the, on the debt and on the emergencies, right? So I would say probably for most people, you want maybe a three month emergency fund and then you want to work on debt. Um, you probably don't want to work on like student loan debt at that same rate, though, just because it's such low. Interest rates, or maybe you don't want to work on a mortgage at the same rate. You know, a mortgage is something you can hold for a while, and then also still work on your investments or increasing your emergency fund because you have a better interest rate there. Um, we can get into the weeds on how to calculate that, but for most people, I think that's probably the case.
1: Well, I definitely, I definitely agree. Uh, maybe you could start a little earlier with the three months, and I definitely agreed, You know, find the highest interest rate loan that you have and kind of start there because then you can snowball and that's a big Dave Ramsey thing. Um so but but basically um yeah I definitely agree. But I um just want to point out that you know you could you could snowball those by kind of focusing on the one to reiterate. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I would say like three months probably and then focus on those high, high interest rate um debts. Um but that also depends on your situation. You know, if if you're at a startup um I'll put it like a debt something you can hold for a while if you need to and make maintenance payments on uh, a mortgage or a rent payment might not be so if you're maybe working for a startup or your situation is just not as stable in general you need to make that choice for yourself so maybe you do need a, a larger emergency fund before you start on that but the general idea is to balance the stability with the long-term payout
2: so I'm doing it a little different actually I'm, I'm kind of following the Dave Ramsey method uh, his method is, Stash a thousand dollars for an emergency fund, and then attack all of your um, debt. Unfortunately, the majority of my debt is credit card debt, or it was. Um, I've since consolidated down to a personal loan, but basically, I've built up the thousand dollars. I have it easily uh, accessible, and now just about every single dollar I have that's not given a job elsewhere for rent, utilities, um, things like that, subscriptions is basically being funneled into. Um, a holding account for me to pay off my, my debt. Um, if you follow online, Mr. Money Mustache, who is big in the financial independence retire early community, you know, he says, treat debt as if it is emergency. And so that's kind of where my head is at because as someone who had 10 years of credit card debt and could never figure out how to get out from under it, you know, I finally decided that it's an emergency. I need to attack it now. And as I've been paying it off, you know, I, I'm feeling the stress literally lift off of my body. Um, watching these payments actually do work. Um, now, after that comes building up the longer term emergency fund and then into investments, things like that. Um, but I've actually scaled back my 401k as well. Um, because I'm still younger, I can, I can kind of get away with it. It's a little bit of a risky gamble, but um, I've scaled back my 401k and my IRA investments in order to pay off my debt because I know in both the short and the long term, I get more out of paying my debt first versus investing and hoping to the markets calm down.
1: Yeah, I just to jump in for a second, I mean, I would definitely caveat or make an exception, you know, to since we're developers here, I would make an exception here in the fact that your emergency fund could be for a much shorter time period if you're suffering from credit card debt. Because to kind of Ben and I's point, like that's going to be your highest interest rate compounding on you, but, but it's just, credit card debt is the worst. Okay. So you really want to make sure that you are not doing anything there. That's going to accumulate that higher interest rate. Um, So whether that's making sure you have like a certain amount towards that minimum payment, even if it's higher, if that means a little less goes in your emergency fund, it's probably worth kind of doing that short term until you can get back on top because, you know, again, that's going to be your highest interest rate debt. and, And you really need to be mindful of that because, you know, the whole Warren Buffett power of compounding, that's actually working against you when it comes to credit card debt.
2: Yeah, those, those, are, all, those are all great points. You know what I mean? And the caveat too, credit cards are not evil, but as they say, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, if you get a, a credit card that has a $10,000 limit and you run out and you buy $10,000 worth of stuff, you know, you're on the hook for not only $10,000 worth of stuff, but now you probably have an 18 to 20% apr which is going to hit you every single month so your ten thousand dollars if you don't attack it and pay off ten thousand dollars in one month which maybe you know warren buffett can do that i don't really know anyone else in the world who could literally throw down ten thousand dollars you know that that money is going to exponentially increase every single month and those minimum payments i mean you're you're not going to do shit with a minimum payment you know you need to be adding on top of that kind of stuff as well
3: um yeah, but I um I, I do I do want to point out that uh, like you said credit cards are not evil and if you do if you treat credit cards as as um I don't know how to really put this delicately but like as just a form of paying for something but not as a form of like money you have to spend and you you know what money you have to spend and you've budgeted say that I've saved up I've created a fund because I want to buy a new TV and I've saved up for six months and this TV does cost $10,000, but I have that in my account right now. It's totally fine to use a credit card in that case. If you plan on paying it off that month, because there are other perks you can get from a credit card points being one of them, but frequent flyer miles
1: being a major one. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I credit cards are part of the game, you know, I mean, they're, they're a power up. Right. And, uh, you know, definitely to Anthony's point, like, you know, if you need to work on your credit score or something like having a credit card that you use disciplinedly and, and kind of marginally, and you pay it off pretty much in full and you maintain kind of a low balance on it, you don't spend the maximum is a great way to up your credit score. Like, you know, so, you know, if you're going to plan to buy a house or something, or you're you're kind of a, a new young uh, programmer, or maybe you just never had a credit card because you thought they were evil, like. They are a means to an end as, as part of, you know, the game. <laughs> so they're definitely, they're definitely there.
3: Yeah. And they can definitely bite you. Um, if, if you're not, if you're not conscious about it, uh, personally, what what I do is put everything on my credit card each month. But what I put on my credit card are things I've already budgeted for with actual money that I have in my account and plan to spend. Yeah, that's um, good. It, it's just like, like he said, was it's a, it's a power up in, in this game and that it gives you a little bit of, extra money back or, or whatever perk you you've gotten this credit card for, which I think is also very important to don't get a credit card just because you want a credit card, get one that's actually going to help you achieve your goals and in, in what you want in your life.
0: I'll also um, throw out a couple of couple tools. If you're, if you're trying to work on your credit score, I really love credit karma because it will like analyze your accounts and then give you suggestions on things you could do And you know, as a tool where you can, uh, um, kind of you can estimate, you can say, hey, so if I do this, what does my score go to? If I do this, what does my score go to? It helps you really prioritize because credit scores in general aren't exactly the most transparent thing if you don't know how they work. Um and then another tool, um Matt, you told me about this one, debitize, is that how you say it? Yeah, debitize.
3: Could you, uh, can you spell that? Uh
2: debitize uh D E B I T I Z E. Um so basically it it's it's a iPhone or Android app, and it'll connect into both your bank account and your credit card. And so it, it kind of monitors your credit card, and as you spend on your credit card, it just go ahead. It'll just go ahead and go into your bank account, take the money out, and pay off your credit card at the moment. Um, so you know, I mean, full disclosure: if you're someone like me who understands the power of credit cards, but you're also very terrible with credit cards, as I am, uh, this tool has been wonderful in letting me. Buy things, but then immediately owning the purchase. Um, you know, I'm getting into photography. I'm buying a bunch of lenses and things like that. to kind of jumpstart this hobby, and you know, I go on Amazon. I buy a new lens, and instead of it sitting on a credit card for a couple of days, weeks, until I see it or whatever, immediately debitize attacks it and takes the money out.
3: You know, and suddenly so, enough, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but funnily yeah. enough, there there is a literal difference in how you feel for an item if you know that you are that that's still waiting on your credit card to pay off or if you know you truly own that item say a a big purchase like a lens or a laptop or something like that
2: yeah absolutely um
3: so yeah i I think that
2: gives people a good roadmap you know into both emergency funds and kind of how to how to budget your money going forward um you know but as i kind of mentioned earlier you know like when you get a job you know if you get a, a, a job at pretty much anywhere, maybe startups are a little bit different, obviously, with stock options versus 401k. But you know, like you're you're when you start your handed a sack of paperwork and it's like, you know, fill out your medical and your dental, your vision, you know, your long-term disability, short-term disability, and also your 401k, which, you know, personally for me, there's no class in high school for what a 401k even is. And so I'm kind of wondering, you know, who has experience understanding what 401ks are, things like employer match um, IRAs and things like that. You know how 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 should people be looking at these different tools as well on top of everything else we've talked about so far?
3: Um, well, I, I can I can sort of start this. Um, I, I do know that being, um, I, I guess, a millennial and and seeing these things that are are. are in question uh, around if they're going to if they're going to still exist at the time uh, when i'm old enough to utilize them um at the same time this this is literally free money that your company has given you if you put into this account they will match typically at a certain percentage out of their own bank account um and so i, I think it is something that could be uh hugely beneficial but I also think it's something that even I myself need more, um, uh, education around because it's, it's stuff that folks around my age just don't tend to think about, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll throw us out another rule. Um, so 401ks are bas- basically a retirement investment vehicle and you can't really touch them until, um, I don't know the exact, they're sometimes changing it. Let, let's say 65, um, But anyways, uh, the point is, is that they're basically, um, matched often by your company. And if they are, the simple rule is just put in the amount that they match. So if they match up to 6% of your salary, make sure that you're budgeting 6% of your salary whenever you fill out the paperwork or you do it, hopefully in an online system where they say, how much of your salary do you want to match? And it's like, yes. So it's one of those things where, um, I would definitely try to maximize the match because, That is basically free money that they're giving you for retirement that the company's giving you, right? So always take advantage of that in full. And I'll say, don't ever put anything more in. (laughs) So that might be a bit controversial, but go up to the max and nothing more. Anything else, honestly, in my opinion, can be used better now. And this goes into what they call the time value of money. The time value of money is that a dollar today is more important than a dollar tomorrow because you can take that money and do something with it today Uh, that's going to give you more than just a dollar tomorrow, right? So, and that's kind of the the very loose, loose, uh, quick example of the time value money. So I want to have that money today uh, and not necessarily put it off till I'm 65 in some account that I can't touch. I get very limited ways in which I can invest that money. Um, So again, 401ks are not bad. They're actually a really great vehicle for retirement because they're tax deferred and all this is pre-tax dollars. So you're getting to put more in there of your paycheck and you're actually still getting a pretty decent chunk of your paychecks because it's pre-tax. And then also you're getting the match, hopefully, that your company does. If your company doesn't match and and you're still working on your emergency fund and so forth, honestly, I wouldn't contribute to your 401k because I consider that, kind of going back to that pyramid example I was talking about, I consider that higher up the pyramid or towards the top of the pyramid, which is investing. Yes, yeah,
0: so I, I definitely agree. You know, you, when you have your base, uh, I can get by finances before you start investing like a 401k. The only time where I would disagree on if you should put more in would be um, really just if you're older. So if you're, I your second career, or you're just an older person can started on a 401k. It's the first time you've had the spare money to spare. In that case, you might want to put more, um, but that's, that's something you should, it's definitely worth researching for you to see if that's a good fit.
1: That's fair. That's a good point then not to think about when I'm 60, what I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Will I even make it to 60?
0: I don't know.
2: We'll see. That's a fair point,
1: which is why I don't think about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
2: you brought up a good point, Jason, you know, my, so unfortunately my company does not offer a match at this very time. They're working on it. So I have my, I mean, I'm dumping, I'm not dumping, I'm putting two or 3% away just to kind of put it in there and let the investment grow and all that kind of stuff. But I've got my investment, down in terms of what it could be in order to maximize my money today and do other different things, pay down my debt or work on uh, an IRA or uh, index funds, things like that as well. You know, so um, if, so we skip the 401k, let's say, um, but we, we do want to invest. What are other options out there for developers to get the most for their money, make their money work for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I- I think where I probably started the natural evolution, and and this was a while back, you you really probably can't start here anymore. But back in like, let's say, late 90s, 2000s, right? I had this bank account, you know, my lawn mowing money, and then my money from working at small jobs, you know, as a teenager. But the point is, I, I progressed the savings account to a point where I had no expenses. I lived at home. I was a kid. My parents still made my meals like other than, you know, maybe a a movie every now and then. I literally had no expenses. So zero dollars out. So everything was savings. So I I went on to a CD, which is basically a bank offers you, you know, a certain percentage um, to hold your money, lock it in for a certain amount of time. And they basically give you money back on that. Now, back in the 90s and and, and late 90s and and early 2000s, this was actually like a decent percentage. This was actually like three or four percent. It was it was good money, right? It's way better than just letting it sit in a savings account or a checking account worse, which you actually don't get any interest on. So I want to have my money do something for me. Again, kind of that time value money. So I want a vehicle that initially has limited risk, like a CD, like, again, the banks offering you this, it's, it's not putting it out there in anything risky. It's just saying, hey, if you let us keep this on the books for six months or a year, we're going to give you back this certain percentage on it. And, you know, if you take it out early, you still have access to it, but you just don't get the percentage. So it's actually a a zero risk uh, scenario, right? But it's one of those things where like, that's, I think that's your initial level is is a really low risk, but a decent reward kind of payout thing. And and CDs, again, used to probably be the way for that. There might be different vehicles for that now, but that would probably be your entry.
0: Cool.
2: Yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, how is it, is it possible to time the market though? Is it possible to know when to buy and sell different stocks and things like that? Or or is it better to find kind of a, a let it ride type strategy and just weather the storm that, you know, if, you, if you've been paying attention to market over the past um, two years, honestly, uh, the market has gone up, down, left, right, every other way possible. Um, and people get panicky. People worry about these kinds of things. And you know? so... You know, in your experience or in anyone's experience, is it possible to even try and time the market or is it possible to control your emotions and just ride the surf until you hit the shore, you know, so to speak?
1: Yeah. So I know we're getting a little long on, on time here. So, um, I'll get us started with like the market conversation and maybe if people find it interesting, we can do like a part two on it. But I definitely think, um, again, CDs are probably kind of more of a a thing of the past. So let's say you move straight into the, the stock market. And I think that, I think that's totally fine. Um, to kind of the point of, of Matt, um, you know, bringing all this up, uh, I guess at the, at the intro, um, The guy who uh passed passed away today um jack bogle uh basically was kind of the inventor of the index fund basically so we kind of mentioned him in the intro Uh, and he actually passed away today but he he kind of wrote about this as like his college thesis and then he like pushed it into the market in like the 80s and 90s and then he eventually went on to start a company called vanguard and vanguard actually is like one of the large kind of um now you know index and mutual funds you know but they were one of the first to create um basically one of these index funds, which mirrors uh, the very popular like exchanges that are out there. So like Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, um, the S&P Index, the Standard & Poor's Index. Um, and they basically are vehicles where they group together a large amount of stocks and they basically try to mimic the performance of the overall market. So that's basically what an index is in a, in a, in a super layman's kind of nutshell. I would start with one of those. Um, and the reason for that is exactly the reason that, that Jack Bogle talks about over a long period of time, long period, no one's going to beat the market. Okay. So maybe in a year, if you're good or two years in a row or five years in a row, but as, as basically you, um, you know, increase time, right. As you, as you go farther out in time, your chances and probabilities as an individual of beating the market, basically go to, go to zero. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. Sorry.
3: Oh, I'm I'm sorry, but I, what I've heard is, and you can let me know if this is, uh, you know, right or wrong. But I've heard that um, time in the market is going to be more beneficial to you than trying to time the market.
1: Exactly. Now that that's there's no silver bullet. Okay, so I'm going to use an actual personal example for me. Okay, I got out of college and I started this whole financial kind of pyramid type thing that I've been you know, using it as an analogy. And so by the time, let's say 2007, I was actually at a place where I'd had a good job. I built my emergency funds. And so I graduated to kind of, in my opinion, the, this next level of where I started investing. So I went into index funds and I actually bought Vanguard index fund, the VFINX, right? It's the Vanguard index fund. It mirrors the S&P, which is the overall market. effectively. So I invested in that at 2007. I don't really have to tell you uh, exactly what happened next. So it was two thousand eight. So I basically invested in the peak, right? So that money, okay, in that. I'm not saying it was, you know, anyone's fault or anything like that. But it goes back to kind of what we're saying, right? It's it's all timing, right? Like it wasn't my fault. I didn't. It doesn't mean investing was bad, so to speak. That's what I meant by fault. But it just meant like timings, uh, you know, difficult, right? You're never really going to time things right, and in my case, I timed it in the absolute worst way. Okay, but by 2013, 2014, it had gone basically back, and then in the recent years, to Matt's point, especially last year, we saw incredible performance. Most people's 401ks grew by 50% last year. Okay, and that's that's really unprecedented. Like, I mean, unless you go really far back, so. Timing's everything. If you got in in 2009 or 2000, you know, fall of 2008 and you invested and you were that person, your timing was incredible, right? So it's just, that's the whole point of the averages.
3: And, and to add on to that, um, I, I think that timing is, is one thing, but making sure you don't get confident uh, or, or overly confident or arrogant in your decisions. And inversely, making sure you don't make rash decisions when you see something plummeting. Those are the absolute worst times to make decisions. Um, most of the time, your uh, the odds are still in your favor. Uh, to to kind of um, branch off to off of that, I'm actually reading this book right now called Principles by Ray Dalio, by the guy who founded uh, Bridgewater. Dalio's jam, yeah. Oh, it is a fantastic book. But he he talks about all of these eye opening um, experiences that he had in consulting people that were the richest people in the world, like top three richest people in the world. Uh, at a certain point, became overly confident in their decisions, became arrogant, and had to quite literally file for bankruptcy not long after that because of just poor decisions they made um, from, from from that mindset.
1: Yeah. So I, I definitely want to point that out. Again, th- this goes back to that pyramid, right? Until you have this base, you cannot be putting money in the stock market, right? Until you basically have emergency fund, you have control or even zero debt, you really should not be in. Even when you're investing, it's a pyramid. So we're getting towards the top of the pyramid, which means there's less money there than there's in and other things, right? Like there's less money in there than there's in your savings when you're starting out, right? It it can be an inverse pyramid way down the road when you're a multimillionaire. But for now, it needs to be, you know, that standard pyramid where it's less money being invested. And honestly, you shouldn't consider that money basically gone. Okay. When it's invested, that should be money that you are okay to lose. And when you're young and you're 25 and you got a programmer job and you're making a decent paycheck, maybe that's a decent amount of money, right? That's more money than maybe some other people would want to invest, but you can make it back because you got a good paycheck and that's great. But that's the point though. Don't, you know, that'll really abate a lot of that confidence and a lot of that learner curve too. I can't tell you how much money I lost in the market (laughs) when I was like between 22 and 27. I mean, there was a lot of money that was lost and it was not just because of 2008, it was because there's a learning curve. You you do really dumb things in investing when you it, investing in the stock market when you start out.
2: Yeah, um, I'm reading a book right now by a guy named J.L. Collins called The Simple Path to Wealth, and he documents all of the mistakes he made up until he got smart about investing and moved strictly to index funds. And now he's retired at the early age of 50 something, doing anything he wants to do, basically. Um, but I think that unfortunately it brings us to an end to this, but I think what we're going to do is we're going to actually line this up for part two, where we dive deeper into investing. Um, and we also had a few other topics that we didn't really get a t- chance to talk to or about this time, but uh, I mean, this is an amazing conversation. Um, and I thought we touched on a lot of great things. And I think a lot of people going to learn a lot of awesome things. So, um, real fast, I'll give everyone like one last thing they want to say, um, and then we will go ahead and get planning on part two
1: so whoever wants to start yeah just i was just gonna say um you know i'm super interested in definitely the stock market investing so i am glad to go you know broad or deep on these topics so please like hit me up on twitter or, or send your questions to matt for this part two and um just give us some more topics to to cover you know let us know if this is something that's interesting or not. I mean, like I said, I, I love finance. I, I think I'm at a point in my life now where I can focus more on those investments. So I'm glad to kind of go back and talk about some of those earlier stages or more stories of my own, if you want. Um, so yeah, just, just let us know on Twitter.
0: Yeah. yeah
3: and I, um I, I'm pretty green to all of it, but I I would definitely like to go a little more in depth into investing and, and explain the differences. Not me explaining because uh, yeah. you, know, you would not learn much, but, let me have <coughs> uh, somebody else explain the differences between, um, you know, just 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 your your available options out there, like index funds, uh, in you know your entry points. What are options, and why might they be beneficial? Maybe even real estate investing. But um, but I would also definitely like to talk about uh, the importance of investing in yourself, like your career and your education, and furthering that as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. definitely. Ben, last time? Uh, yeah, just thank you both for coming on. It's been a really fun combo. I think it's, uh, it's played pretty smooth, and I, uh, I hope it helps a lot of people. I wish I would have had a resource for a lot of this when I was earlier in my career, So I feel like I wasted uh, a lot of years kind of keeping up with the Joneses instead of uh, really investing in myself.
2: Same. Definitely. We'll talk about that in part two. Uh, be on the lookout for that. We're going to get it set up, and I'll see you soon. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks.